Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. No, we walk around the world, stepping out, giving a damn by where our feet lined up. Yeah. Get y'all mushed, smushed. Yeah, 21. The biggest. Put it in the chicken wing. 21. Can you do something for me? 21. Can you hit a little rich flex for me? 21. Then 21. Can you do something for me? 21. Drop some bars to my for me than 21 can you do something for me can you talk to the ops next for me 21 do your thing 21 do your thing do your thing 21 yellow diamonds in the watch this cost a lot never send a to die that's how you get shot i dm in vanish mode i do that a lot took her panties off and this thicker than the plot all my s's ain't nothing Mara, can you do something for me? Can you drop another pod joint for me? Kamara, can you do something for me? Can you talk Florida politics for a moment? Kamara, do you think Kamara Williams do your thing? I actually had to start with Drake because this pod, I'm going to actually deliver some political Draco that I definitely think will offend some political connects. Now, of course, this track's coming off the 21 Savage Drake album, uh, her quote, you know, called, quote, Her Loss, which I couldn't think of a better title for an album concerning Florida not only re-electing DeSantis and Rubio, but also ushering a supermajority in the state legislature. Now, this is not even being overly partisan. I think anytime a state is designated a supermajority, you have the tendency to overreach in one direction and isolate other people who may come to the table with some viable ideas. Let me give you a secret, or actually a tip, rather. That's not a healthy democracy. Now, Florida is no longer a place of balance. It is solidly a Republican state orchestrated by people whose only objective is to coalesce money and power for themselves and their people. You know, it's really actually talking about uh, both sides, actually, on this. See, on one side, you have Republicans who believe curtailing education in a sterilized version, whitewash American dystopia, is both needed and prescient. On the other, you have Democrat leadership who don't understand voters, Florida, and clearly, apparently, elections. The end result being a state that has objectively been left for dead, both nationally and apparently statewide. Now, listen, we'll get into all that. Because honestly, if this is going to be, I said my last podcast, but yeah, you know, I'm coming out of retirement. I might as well leave it all out on the field. And this is actually is a uh, coming out of retirement, Jay-Z, uh, you know, uh, um, well, re- redux here. But we're going to let the bodies drop where they are, because honestly, if we can't have an honest conversation about what really happened this past Tuesday, then we will continue to suffer mightily in Florida. Well, per usual, it will be her loss. Before then, welcome to Uncultural Bias Podcast. My name is Kamar Williams. I am your host on the show. We say that culture is a matter of perspective and opinion. After all, culture is another way to say discovered. We are on culture. We are biased. And what, what are we? We are black. All right, so we're going to get right into this pod, and I'm going to bring in my guy, Philip. What's going on, man? You still with us? Yeah, I'm still here. I'm still here. Thank you for yeah. inviting me back on the show on the um, podcast. I really do appreciate um, being a guest here to share my, my thoughts 
with your audience. Man, the hip hop lobbyist is always a guest on the pod, man. You know, um, listen, Phil, you and I had a, a lot of conversations over the last few days. And at this point, it was like, yeah, we might as well jump on the pod and just go ahead and do this. Right. So let's go yeah, ahead and true. get started, man. Like, um, yo, what the fuck happened on on Tuesday? <laughs> or, or like, <laughs> you know, how did it get, how did we get here? Let's start, you know, like, what what are your thoughts? I mean, this is at least eight, nine months in the making. Boom. For where real. Republicans knew when they took Virginia that it would get here, that there was no real energy on the Democratic ticket mm-hmm. nationwide for any governor or anything running locally, right? right? Or any locality that's there. So it's more like, okay, cool, they can run the gamut in the redistricting year with new maps. So it's kind of like they ran the table for what it is. And people looking at the analysis now, they'll say that it was simple fact of the messaging, not really hitting. Everybody knows Roe v. Wade, abortion rights, women rights were top of the issue um, for Democrats, but it didn't coincide with the rising gas price, with the rising Mm. price of food. Um, I think I read a report eggs today are, at an all-time high, but the price of chickens are low. So it's like, when you think about it, nobody, none of the consultants had a real-world perspective that said, you know what, hey, we need to switch the narrative up because this is one part of it, but that's not the major part where everybody's going to sit back and really say, okay, cool, what's really happening here? Because at the end of the day, Democrats only want to talk to Democrats, Republicans talking to everybody, and when they're talking about issues that impact your pockets, they're, they're speaking to you. And yeah. So this goes into what my thoughts are, man, like, and Democrats don't understand this. People move to Florida for three things. And I've told, I've told you it's privately. So I apologize if it sounds like a redux here, but they move to three things. One for the economy, right? Taxes. They don't want to pay taxes Two, uh, housing, right? Because they, they feel like, especially coming from like, uh, California, New York, the housing is a lot cheaper and more, at least right. more inexpensive. And number three, the weather. That's it. Right. Yep. They they're not coming here for social issues. Now it'd be not, I'm not saying that everybody moves here is right wing or whatnot, but primarily when people move to the state, they know what it is. They're not coming here with the idea of I want a a calm social environment that fits my my perspective. They would like that most people. Right. Ideally, they're moving here to you know, for their own personal selfish reasons. And that's okay. But Democrats don't understand that. They don't even understand the makeup of the people in the state. They don't understand like literally Florida has like there's like six parts of Florida. You know? And they talk to everybody in Florida like they're the same, but like there's literally six parts of Florida. In in, in, Brow- in, um, in South Florida alone, there are three parts. There are Dade County, which is Latino focused, Cuban focused, right? right. Hispanic focused, right? Not Latino. But um, so it, 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 there's Dade County, which I saw report that 70% of uh, Hispanics voted Republican, and there's 70% of Dade County. Um, yeah, uh, uh, Hispanics. Yeah, voted Republican, right? So you've already lost Dade County. Dade County is gone at this point. Facts. There's Broward County, which is a, the the biggest black county in 
the state of Florida, right? The, the the debatable with Jacksonville, debatable with Duval, yeah, right, yeah. Um, but I think I I was told that they, you know, by numbers, there's more registered Democrats in Broward County with black Democrats rather. Right, right, uh, yeah. That, that that's that's a fact. Yeah, that's a fact. Okay, so there's more registered black Democrats in Broward County, and then you have West Palm Beach or Palm Beach, which is white and affluent. So, uh, it's a mix. Mixed, but it's generally that tends to lean more Republican. Well, more more Democratic, to be honest. Really, because you have Air Beach, Delray. It's oh. more. It'll be more South and Western, like the Wellington areas, Palm Beach Gardens, like the Northwestern parts. It'll be more Republican. Gotcha. But the Heart Beach ends up being more Democratic for real. Gotcha. But there's been a strong push there by the Republicans and and the, damn near, I guess, to Palm Beach is next on their list. Well, because yeah. I saw that Palm Beach went red the last two cycles. Yeah, I would say it more for a fact of the Democrats just aren't engaged down there. Okay. So that's what I was basing it off of. I, it just went yeah. red in bath, both in 2020 and 2022. So I just see what I, I guess what I'm saying, even in South Florida, there's three different Floridas right there, right? Right. And then obviously we know about the I-4 corridor, and even just with Orlando, Orange County is blue, solidly blue. Hillsboro, blue. And then St. Pete is is now it's turned red the last two cycles, you know? And, you know, and so when we go forth and so on. So I, basically I'm saying that Florida has been broken up in several different states and within one. But you have the Repu- Democratic leadership who don't see Florida in sections. They see Florida as one big pot. And then they talk right. to Floridians in, as one big pot. And then they don't know how to talk to the voters and they don't know how to communicate to these voters. Right. And then you got someone like, we're going to name names on this podcast. I hope you're ready for that, Bill. You ready? All right. That's fine. Talk to him. We got someone like Manny Diaz who doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Right. Never and, knew. And, you know, who actually um, created set a, the party back. Set the party back. And he, from my opinion, he did a top down strategy with engagement. He didn't under, he didn't respect or understand grassroots. He didn't respect or understand populace. He didn't respect or understand the way his party thought. Is there any pushback yeah, out, on that? He was out of touch just like the rest of them. Yeah. What do you mean like, by that? What do you mean to out of touch with the rest of them? Like talk to me, Phil. Like, like every party chair outside of Allison Tent, state representative Allison Tent. Right. She was one of the best party chairs I've seen, not from an aspect of just raising money, but OK, we're going to run candidates in areas where, where they can actually win. Right. Mm-hmm. And she had a good force. She was part of the team that, you know, flipped the Steve Sutherland seat for when Graham to be a congresswoman. Right. Right. So all that put together, it's like it made sense. But everything before that shambles, everything mm-hmm. after that shambles and it's to a point of being like this has been a 30-year problem this has been since the 90s this isn't a pro like when you and i were in grade school democrats were getting outsmarted in this shit mm-hmm. and now they're back at it with the dumb shit and we're grown right. right so it's to a point of like okay clearly everybody needs a clean house because the same consultants and people who were working with the party back then are working with the party now or working with the candidates and they're like you know what i get it but it doesn't make sense at this point mm. because you have people, like I've said here before, who are truly invested in the Democratic Party. They don't show up to DEC meetings. They don't show up to 
um, all kind of North Florida rallies or the Jackson Jefferson dinners or things of that nature, right? Right. What they show up to are the polls because yeah. guess what? They hate Ron DeSantis. Yeah. They hate all the things that are happening with the state and things of that nature. But guess what? You're not talking to them. No. No. You're not. You're not speaking to, to them specifically because it's like you know what? You have the good old boy politics of what the Democrats want to be, and you're out of touch as a chair. You're out of touch as an organization. And this is exactly why we have the dysfunction we have right now. So to that, to like, let's keep going down this road. To, to me, you know, Manny, he sent out this, uh, I guess, this press release 48 hours before the election. Maybe it was in 24 hours. It was Monday night or maybe Sunday. I can't recall. Pretty much right. saying, you know, we, we didn't get enough funding from the national um, party. So, you know, we're, we're struggling. But, you know. I believe in us. So let's go ahead and make a good effort on Tuesday. I wanted to say, bitch, shut up. Yeah. Like, because you he's retarded. I'm sorry. I can't say that. Please edit that out. I'm sorry. He's, <laughs> he, he, no, yeah, no, he's, he, he, he's, he's, he's not clicking with a few, with a few, you know, uh, right. synapses. Like, right. I'm like, first of all, it was disingenuous, right? Because to my point, like, you, this is the path you started on. Number one, you came in on office. And my understand he was a former Miami mayor and he came with the right. office like saying like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to focus in on trying to get Hispanic voters. That was your focus. That was literally what you said. We're going to change the way Hispanic voters view the party. And this goes into, I'm going to go and we're going to get Charlie and then Val eventually. But my thing is like, you want to focus on people that are never going to vote for you. Right. You're They're never going to vote for you. But because you had this idealistic view on trying to reach people that are never fucking with you, that that was from the gate you came in. And then his second point was we're going to get focused on fundraising and getting money into the party. Yeah, that's where your prop. That's number two. You were you fucked up because my thing is, and I've always said this, believing in, in candidates, money comes with messaging. When the when they when people. Outside funders believe in the message and then or they believe in the focus and they believe in the in the strategy, they will give you money. But if you're coming in saying, I oh, we just need to focus on money and fundraising, and you have no vision and no plan, you of course the party's gonna like, I'm not fucking with you. We're, go- we're going over here to Wisconsin. We're gonna pour our money into Georgia. We're going to North Carolina. That's where we're taking our money. Because you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Am I being right here, Bill? Not to be, you're very spot on. So, you know, I'm looking at it like you had a party chair that sat there and mischaracterized what the party needed. And they put him in, in this position and they didn't want to look around and be like, how did we get here? And let's just keep it a buck. He let the Chris campaign dictate the fucking primary. He let the Chris campaign create the 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 um the outline of how this primary is going to go. And for me as a party it was it it was like yo, how would the fuck are we going to have one debate? We had one debate like 3 yeah. 3 weeks before the election, we had one freaking debate or two and a half weeks before the election, two, one, one one fucking debate. When in the 2018, we had like nine debates. And for me, I, I've been my opinion that in order to raise grassroots 
and focusing on grassroots leadership, you have to get the people on the ground excited. Not the people to go to DEC meetings. I'm talking about the people who don't even know these DC meetings exist, but guess what? I'm going to be there on the primary day because I want to vote because I'm excited about what's going to happen in November. Right. But when you had a, a decrepit, you know, former Republican Congress, uh, current congressman, you know, throw his hat in for the governor. And then he purposely did not want to do any debates because he wanted it to be a low information, low turnout, you know, strictly on name ID primary. You really fucked yourself in the general because how do you expect people to even understand what's happening in, in the general when they don't even know what's happening, when they don't even know the primary existed? Right. You know, uh, all, Charlie Chris is back on the ballot for no odd reason. You said what? Yeah, he, all they know is that Charlie Chris is back on the ballot and we, they want us to vote for him for some odd reason. Right. And they don't know why. They were like, the, the questions you got, like, why is Charlie running again? Why is Charlie running again? Why is Charlie running again? That's a bad question in a general question in a general election. People are asking, hell, in a primary, people are asking, why is Charlie running again? That should not be the question for the person that the party is quietly pushing to take on DeSantis. Right. You know, and, and so go ahead. Go ahead. No, nah, I was just gonna say that it just shows how weak the bench that we already know isn't there. Right. And how everybody's scared to essentially jump out of their position to run. Mm. And it takes some kind of courage to do that, which I understand, you know, mm. whatever, right? But at the same time, if it's for the benefit of the party, it's like, you know what, I got to do this one way or another because somebody else could energize a base or a whole other base of an electorate and boss some national attention to this race or any race in general. Right. It's just the fact of even in Georgia, Stacey ran last time and lost. All right, cool. We're going to run her again. Because we don't have nobody else in the Georgia legislature in the whole state of Georgia. Not two chains and the rest of them. You know, I'm not saying two chains run for governor, but <laughs> it's the fact of there's nobody else in the whole state of Georgia that we could run there. And in Florida, we have the same problem. Right. And all in all, it could have been people may have planned, okay, make Gillum may run again. Cool. Didn't happen. Clearly, we know what's going on. Right. Mm. But it's a fact of. That's how weak the party is. The bench, lack of bench. I get it. But you know, the thing is, we that, listen, the bench is what it is. But now, the, like, it's the, here are the players. Here are the cooks that we, here are the, the, the ingredients we have. Let's make the best of it at this point. And when you decided not to make the best of it and you throw out a fucking poo-poo platter of a strategy and a candidate, then you're like wondering how you went from four years ago the guy losing, you know, the, our, the top the top of the ticket, actually the top of the ticket was Bill Nelson, technically speaking. Top of the ticket, losing by 10,000 and Andrew losing by 32,000 to the top of the ticket, Val Demings losing by one point something million, one point, you know, blah, 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 million and uh, um, Chris losing by one point, blah, 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 million. There's a failure there. There's a, there's something in four years you have went, you have, went in the negative you have went in the negative position you haven't even increased your base and i'm gonna we'll get to val in a moment but for me chris had no messaging bro yeah he had no messaging. his only message was like i'm good and desantis is bad 
I mean, you you can put it like this. I'm quite sure some ladies can agree with this for your listeners, right? Mm-hmm. There's always that guy that's like, you know what? I'm better than your boyfriend. Right. I'm better than your husband. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And you sit there and you see him and it's like, damn, okay, cool. Nah, because you old and tired and single and just you. Right. 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 You got this other jag officer, <laughs> family man, strong, don't give a shit, kicking your throat, kick ass, what's next? Right. Right. Who are you going to pick? Right. The guy that's begging for your vote. Or the guy that's going to show you, I'm going to kick your ass for it. Right. Right. And a part of it is, that's how you have to look at the voters. And it's like, you know what? Charlie shouldn't have ran because he's just begging for a damn job. Yeah. Retire. You've done, what else do you need to do? What else do you need to do? Yeah. You've done everything. Like, you know what? I've already ran and lost. Rick Scott kicked my ass. I'm going to get back in like Rocky. No, bitch. Lay down. You <laughs> lost by 20. Yeah. Don't run again. Yeah. There's, no pur- there's no purpose. Yo, it, the wild thing about it is, I think people mischaracter like, oh man, Kamara, well, we knew he was going to lose. Yeah, but you know what? It's like going to the Super Bowl. You knew somebody was going to lose because they were heavily favored. They were favored not to win. But you thought, like, okay, they lose by two touchdowns or whatever. Because that's what, you know, the, the spread was like, you know, 14 and a half points, right? But I right. didn't know y'all were going to lose by 60 points in the damn Super Bowl. Right. I didn't right. know, like, I'm like, damn, you lost by eight touchdowns? Did you even bother to show the fuck up? Like, why, why were you here? You know? I mean, like, and that's kind of where it's at. Like, y'all lost by eight touchdowns. See, I'm a, I'm a Clippers fan. <laughs> okay. Diehard die Clippers fan, right? Yeah. And I'm used to being up 3-1. <laughs> and shit just not working out. Right. Right? So when I come from a perspective of, damn, you know, and I, I tell it's like two things I can do, win an election and turn the fucking Clippers organization around, right? Right. When I see the pieces on the table, it's like, guess what? We can't do this shit. Yeah. We're not even going to give the fans the hope we're going to the finals or the playoffs. We need to pack this shit up. Right. So this could have been a pack this shit up season, right? You know what? It's like, I guess the Lakers right now. You bring in some vets that don't work. Charlie Chris was a vet that didn't fucking work out. Mellow, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And you gave it a try, but it's like, listen, we got some draft picks lined up. The question is, as you scour the state from Key West to Pensacola, who the fuck are those top 10 picks that you prospect? Right. Right. Not only from a local government, the mayoral races, 23, building up to 24, looking at the national election and from there. But you got to say, okay, cool. Guess what, bitch? DeSantis ain't on the ticket in 26. Right. Right? You don't get to a, you don't get the draft of LeBron James by being bad a month before the draft. Right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got to plan it out. Right. So right now we have a four-year runway. Yeah. Okay. Max Frost, you got something in, in Congress. First Gen Z in Congress. Cool. Guess what? You may be like the next AOC. We're going to see. Let's see how effective a young man will be in this position. Right. Which all the best for him, right? Right. But when you get to it, we got to look at the bench. So, okay, cool. What's happening? Where Where is the base? And at the same time, understand the dynamics of people moving to the state, right? And the narrative of what they want locally. So, because... Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. 
collectively there needs to be a message of all right cool if the gas price start getting back up to four dollars yeah all the rest of this shit how homeowners insurance out of whack crime is whatever all these different things look at the culprits that's in charge of this shit and don't point it to dc this shit ends right in fucking i-10 and 75 yeah right right at the georgia alabama line right yeah that's where that's where it, the construct of, of this problem starts and we start nitpicking area by area like with the message right because even if we have to get to a point of being like you know what we need a business style democrat in these areas somebody who's written checks yeah cut some payroll checks and put people under him understands or, or payroll tax and understand yeah it, exactly get them in cool right right get somebody who could pick off voters on both sides and get the independence on our side or Democrat side, because shit, I'm about to change parties at this, at this rate. I don't like being with a loser. I talk about Clippers fans, Raiders fans. So it's <laughs> a lot of Red Sox, too. So it's a lot of losing shit. And sometimes, you know, you got to want to lead a team. I'm so- right listen, now, I'm a Sacramento Kings fan, so I get it, bro. Listen, exactly. So it gets to a point to basically say that we need to build that bench out for 2024 to 2026 right. at this point. Because we're, we're at the bottom of the shit. You lose by 20? Okay, cool shit. Everybody pack up. We're going back to practice. We're going to watch film. Right. And the film is telling us, we're about to let half you motherfuckers go. Your contract's expired. Hey, good luck in free agency. Right? Because mm-hmm. when you term limited out, out, hey, good luck. Right. Right? Don't, don't come back. Right. Right? And then bring some new fresh talent in. So, but at the same time, there's going to have to be some structure to say, you know what? This is a eight to ten year build. It's I, not just overnight thing. I agree. I agree. But can we also understand too, you got to also have a candidate that's willing to focus on their fucking base and not be like, to your point, not be afraid to say, yo, there's Democrats that want to make money, bro. Let me tell you something, man. The Charlie Chris podcast really bothered me. The one that, you know, I had with him that like two people watched. <laughs> right. Um, the thing that really bothered me on that pod, man, when I presented him with a statement of, yeah, you know, man, there was like, so I, I spoke to some, some black people, business owners, and you know, what do you say to those voters who would, you know, they don't really fuck with DeSantis on the social issues, but the business-wise you know, is what really changed, is really what is keeping them engaged with him or even giving them an eye. And his response was, you know, like, well, you know, pretty much like, are they really black? And honestly, we're going to just call it what it is, Phil. I am so sick of fucking Democrats characterizing black people through the prism of struggle and criminal justice. Talk about it. I am so sick of Democrats looking at black voters as the only thing they care about are voting rights. I am so sick of Democrats who make you make black people make black people voters or black voters think like social issues is what drives you to the poll. And here's the thing, what they don't understand about black people. There's a dynamicism within us that we have to carry all that bullshit with us along with trying to figure out how to put fucking food on our table. So, yeah, we don't like Racism we hate that shit obviously Yeah we don't like when The governor is fucking taking away Our education 
in the, the schools because it's teaching our black child that slavery was a fucking co co agreement, and he just had these black people that is happened to slave, and they were like indentured servant, whatever the fuck they're trying to teach kids now, right? We don't like that shit. We don't like when you know they're coming at social issues that affect us or affect other races because we're magnanimous people, right? Magnanimous people. But you know what we also don't like? We don't like that when it comes to first of the month, we can't fucking pay our bills. Talk about it. So there's a whole slew. And I wouldn't even say black people. I'm just saying millennial voters. There's a whole slew of millennial voters who the Democratic Party ignores because they make it seem like it's a villain to make money. Now, I'm sure they're not trying to be Rockefellers or whatever like that or even, you know, I guess Buffett's New Age um, reference. Mm. But You know They start businesses For the sheer purpose Of being Entrepreneurial in spirit And making And creating a lifestyle For them For them right. and their, their family And when you don't Talk to those voters And when you demonize them And say well they're not Really black Because they're not focused On getting DeSantis Out of office You just fucking You just killed yourself And it showed me You don't focus on You don't understand First you don't understand A black voter And you don't understand that there, there's a whole pocket of people that you just wiped off the list because you just characterize them in one particular specter. And let's keep it even a buck, more even a buck. I'm a straight black man business owner who's married, uh-huh. right? Two daughters. Right. Yeah, I care about, um, I care about women's rights because it's human rights at this point. For me, that's important for me. Right. I care about how people are treated. I care about the, you know, um, how members of a certain community, LGBTQI community, are treated, because I don't ever want to see somebody being subjugated to um, uh, hate or you know second class citizenry, even in so on a social specter. I hate it. But guess what? My value to my family. Is my ability, one of my values rather, is my ability to make sure they're protected and make sure they're taken care of. And if part of that is that I have to be able to earn money. And if you try to say that me earning money is should not be the priority in my fucking decisions, guess what's gonna happen? You're not a priority in my fucking voting. Because it's gonna be six o'clock on, on a Tuesday. It's dark. Because you know, although uh, daylight saving times makes six p.m. is six p.m., but it makes it look like it's twelve p.m. at night, twelve a.m. at night. So it's dark. It's rainy. I'm tired. I'm not going. I'm not stopping at my local poll to vote. I'm tired, bro. I'm going home because you haven't made me a priority. So why should I make you a priority? So, so technically, what you're saying is you're about not you, but that person would abort their vote. Yeah. I talked to a is a business person, successful business person at my house the other night, and we were just talking, man. And you know, he said, you know, he's, he's literally he's a, a um, black male, you know, has a business, has family, wife, and he was like, "Bro, I don't see myself in a party. I don't see myself in this party. I don't see it. You yeah. know, they, they don't talk to me. They don't talk to voters like me." They legit don't talk to voters like me. They talk to other voters. They talk to people who on these other social spectrums. And he said those things are important, but they're not the thing. 
And I'm going to it's like we're, we're coming up on Thanksgiving. The Democrats treat these social issues like they're, they're fucking turkey on the plate, but they're, they're fucking macaroni and cheese, my, my dude. They're mac and cheese. The turkey yeah. is the economy. You know what I'm saying? Uh, um, uh, CRT, that's the greens. You know, uh, women's rights, that's the, that's the yams. You know, LGBTQI rights, yeah, that's the macaroni. But you know what's feeding me on Turkey Day? I best, I best see that turkey on my plate. Don't give me a plate full of, of yams and macaroni and, and, and greens. I'm going to be pissed. Unless you're vegan. Unless you're a vegan. <laughs> Environmentalist. Right. I'm not going to eat the meat of the soil, the meat of the earth. But you, Listen, but you feel what I'm saying, though, right? I, I get it. It's just a fact of... I don't think they give a shit. Right. Sorry for cussing. Right. No, no, I've been cursing all the podcast. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. You know, just I guess for the listeners, oh my god, he cussed, right? Yeah. But to me, it's a, a sense of you're still trying to appease everyone, right? Right. And the fact of LGBTQ rights are very important, right? And they look at you know the civil rights Democrats led the blacks towards voting rights and civil rights. So this is where we got to go. Right. Right. The issue you have to really think about is there are gay people on the other side. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Where's their movement? Right. And why does it have to be so intertwined into one party? Not just that. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. The woman's right issues too. Right. Cause you can't tell me that a whole busload of, Women business owners on the other side don't give a shit about nothing. Right. Right. So it's a fact of, okay, they care about their kids' education. Yeah. On the other side of the aisle. Yeah. Just like we do. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's like, okay, shit. Sorry. What's going to really drive the narrative? Yeah. The amount of stuff that we're allowing to be taught in the schools yeah. or the lifestyle we want our kids to have. The education that you know what I'm saying, like the, the, the free spirit that they let them be who they want to be. Right. You know what I'm saying? A part of it is these people want to control everything. And the super progressives, they want to, hey, just write a blank check. We did it for this, we did it for that. Write another check. Shit. Okay, cool. You ever wrote a check and it bounced? <laughs> Have your rent check bounce. Right. Right. And come talk to me about just paying for shit, like, oh, the government should just do this. This is the idealistic part of like, you know what? And Max Frost will see this, you know, Gen Z, maybe he can help change the narrative. It's like, damn, you know, if this is how much it costs, how much are we, like, how can we save? Right. How can we, how can we invest more, move some resources to get something better and agree on something instead of just being divisive on every damn thing? Right. Everything's not a divisible issue. Right. Right. Like, not having green algae in the waters is not a bipartisan issue. That shit, Democrats, Republicans, people who love to fish. Those rednecks Republicans or whoever, right? Right. Democrats love the fish too. They want clean waterways. Right. We can agree on that. We don't want guns in the school unless it's to protect the kids. Right? right. We can agree on some of this. But at the same time, it's like, you know what? Let's be real. Do we fund the same kid, the same buildings that your grandmama went to in a black neighborhood just to fund it, 
even though it costs us $12 million more dollars or $30 million more dollars to maintain that building, or do we build a new facility? And guess what? The jobs that are coming in and everything else, like we got to be able to, to, to hire people who have these certifications or whatever. Mm-hmm. How are we making sure that these are jobs in our community that we can be qualified to get? Nobody's having these conversations, right? Right. It's more of a fact of shit. Let's just say what's hot right now and keep it moving because we personally in doctrine feel that we could just, Hey, spew our views on people and they're going to accept it, but we're not going to really look at the fact of like, you know what, what are they personally dealing with? Right. Are they able to make ends meet? Oh, you got two or three kids. You know what I'm saying? Inflation bananas went up from 99 cents to dollar 29. How are you feeling about that? Right. Right. Everything's impacting everybody. And if you're talking about an issue that doesn't relate to me, abortion, if, if I didn't own a business, talk, okay, business, I don't care. You have to be well-rounded as a party delivering a message just as well as you're expecting people to accept that message and go vote for you. Listen, a candidate that only talks about social issues is going to continue to lose in, in Florida. In the country. In the country, period, right? But I'm talking about I'm I'm only I'm focused on Florida, a candidate who, who only foc- who only talks about social issues. It can continue to lose. If you don't understand, and we're get, I'm, we're moving closer to closer to the, to Val here, we're getting there. Right. But if you don't understand what makes a voter tick, and like what makes them like you know what to your point, damn man, I I I buy fruit for my children all the time. And what used to cost ninety nine cents now, it costs a dollar twenty nine. But guess what? That's just only thirty cents or twenty nine cents. But guess what? Also, the strawberries went up six forty cents. Also, the uh, the apples, the apples went up now. The grapes. So all the healthy foods for my kids they went up. And you know what? What used to, I used to be able to go to the grocery store and spend one hundred and twenty dollars on groceries. Now it's costing me to spend 180. And you know what that 180 does? Because I, I don't have unlimited funds. That means gas. I can't go so many places because I got to budget that in. That's an extra $40 that week. And you know, I can't go so many places. That means I can't have a lifestyle because I wanted to really go see that movie. I want to go see Black Panther too. But I can't because I, I just put money on groceries. Mm-hmm. And man, now I don't get this experience in, in, in life. And you know, I'm not happy about it. I'm not happy that my life has shifted because things are going up. And if you have a, 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 a politician who doesn't even talk like that, but they're talking to you like, yeah, I hear that. But like, aren't you upset about abortion? Did you not hear <laughs> what I just said? Right, right. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, abortion is fine, but that's not my immediate issue right now. That's not what's hand. What, what I think I don't wake up thinking about abortion. I'm sorry, I don't. I'm waking up thinking about how the hell am I going to pay for these groceries and put gas in my car. Well, well, it's not not even not even that, right? Mm-hmm. And you and I discussed this offline, so it's more of a fact of not everybody wants to have an abortion, right? Yeah. Not a lot of black people are pro-abortion, so it, it kind of makes it seem as if you know, hey. Everybody's pro-abortion in this piece, right? Right. Some people are really on the fact of, you know, hey, me personally, that's between you and God, right? Yeah. Some people are pro-life, pro-choice, let it be. 
But at the same time, it's never a fact of, okay, damn, we need black women to come out to vote. The black woman mortality rate is very high, not only in Florida, but Mississippi and other places in low income communities and underserved. We have these pockets of the communities where right. they need dual, they need um, birthing classes. They need all these different things and features. Okay, what can we do if they're going to take away all this other stuff? Guess what? White women, Hispanic women, and Asian women use these th- these things too. What can we help provide as a narrative for the conversation? So when we're going to talk to some people and they bring up abortion, we can ask them for you. Here's what I'm gonna fight for for you. Right. I know that. I, I know that the Supreme Court they're trying to take away our, our, our right to choose. Guess, but guess what? I'm gonna fight to make sure that your sister and your mother, and your 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 daughter's daughters and whoever they're gonna have everything they need to have a baby. Right. Right. And we're gonna everything within a threshold of you living in Section Eight. You have two or three jobs. Maybe you're a teacher. Maybe you're this, you're that. If you can't afford to have this kid, we're going to help provide every service around you as an option. You know, it's not have to be mandated as an option because guess what? You just need to know it's available. Someone in your circle, in your atmosphere just needs to know it's available to you. So when you cry, hey, I need help. Oh, yeah, girl, we did this. Senator such and such made this happen. So the, the, the point is, right, like, they mischaracterize even like the importance of like let's say Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood does a lot more things than just abortion. You know, exactly prenatal care. You know, um, you know, uh, classes for people who are expecting all these things. You know, for people who don't have the, the um, availability of insurance. That's the conversation. You know, but saying that we want to make sure to protect your rights. And some people are like that's not applicable to me and where where my way the framework of my life is right now or even where I think, and so again it's not communicating the meat and potatoes of. But you don't care about all the other women. Yeah, I do. But guess what? That's that's not my issue today. It's not my issue today. It's right. not my issue on Tuesday. It's not my issue today. It's a Tuesday, and I I don't I just this is my immediate because we all, we have to talk to voters and not think that they they have this ability. To always be magnanimous, you know what I mean. Not always think about the greater good. Sometimes voters just are selfish. They're selfish people, and you know what? You know what, Phil? That's okay. Yeah, it's it, okay. It, 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 it's okay to be a selfish it, voter. But you know what? What else is kind of selfish? I, I realized it on this ballot, right? Yeah. And, and you know, like I've been telling folks, I've been out of cycle. This cycle, I was like, hey, I'm not working with nobody for outside of some phone calls, whatever, right? But it gets to a point of there's so much hoopla over the top of the ticket, right? Yeah. But there's nothing explaining the most incremental things that end up being the rest of the ballot because you end up getting lost in the rest of the ballot, right? Right. You go in there and say, you know, I'm voting for Ron DeSantis, voting for Charlie Cripps, I'm voting for Val, I'm voting for Rubio, right? Right. I'm voting for mayor, I'm voting for my state house. Okay, cool. Everything else, shit, I'm lost in the wind, right? Mm-hmm. The judges. It makes you like really sit back and say, okay, cool. If I take this judge off the bench, DeSantis is going to appoint somebody else to the Supreme Court. Do I keep him on? Do I leave him on? Right? Mm-hmm. Who's talking about that? And you have organizations that are s- set up, structured, and funded to get the word out about this. Even the constitutional amendments, which need 60% to pass, so it can have 58, 52, 53, whatever. If it doesn't hit that 60% threshold, it's not going to be on the Constitution. Now, some things people will say everything doesn't need to be on the constitution that, that that's a good requirement right but at the same time it's like damn i was sitting here like shit if i can get an extra fifty thousand dollars off in the tax exemption because my spouse or someone else 
is a service worker, right? Mm-hmm. That's a benefit to me. How many service workers were impacted by COVID? Right. Right? How many people were pushing the narrative? This is just a party, Democrat, Republican, whatever, but how many people were pushing the narrative of what's on the ballot for real outside of the top button issues? So guess what? You could take, you could leave DeSantis in, take DeSantis out, but shit, you could still save $50,000 on a tax exemption by voting yes on Amendment 3. And people will sit back and say, well, damn, shit, y'all vote for that. Right? Right. And you could get other wins other ways. But nobody's sitting here breaking down. You have very qualified, good organizations that are focused on outreach that are sitting back and saying, you know what? Why don't we do something a little better? Can, it, can, we, just, can we just talk about yeah. talk about it? Like how a lot of times the party does not believe in black talent within within uh, within consulting. Yeah, th- there is a, and I'll say it because. I think a lot of the elected officials that I talked to privately on both sides of the aisle, I'm not going to name names, but guess what? They'll agree there's a whole busload of racism in a consulting line as well. Yeah. Because you don't want to hear what a black consultant has to say. Right. And, and the issue is you've got so many of these white boys around you that are telling you shit that they've devised up while smoking meth and fentanyl in a lab before they came up on their laptop in front of the party chair or whoever. I'm not naming names. I'm not saying it's true. I'm just speaking in general, right? Right. But Joe, you got these messed up head, messed up consultants who are, who are basically telling, hey, this is the strategy we need. These are the voters we need to go out and get them in, get them in for us. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work because it's like, you know what? Instead of you being like, you know what? This guy is from Florida. This lady is from Florida. Yeah. They've lived here. They've won campaigns here. They help get people elected here. Let's give them a shot to run the operation here yeah. because they understand the landscape of where you need to be and what you need not say. Yeah, we need to go to the villages, but we ain't put no damn money there. We're going to go put it in Orlando or Pine Hills or somewhere else because guess what? We can go get more voters out of there than, than the damn villages, right? So, Someone it, who can break down this state to a science and right. tell you where you need to put money from the beginning. Right. Is way better than someone who's just gonna say, "Listen, yeah, let's put twelve million on TV for what? What, what the fuck are we on TV for? People don't even watch TV like that. Exactly, they're they're streaming. Like, like people are streaming streaming shows. They're on the streaming apps. Why the fuck are you putting all this money on commercials? Are people people are not watching TV like that? You know, they're going. And, then, and so, it's go ahead. Commercial. It's only one commercial because you, you paid so much for the, the one cons- for the consultant right. to pay his homeboy. Right, right. His connect, you're yeah, in the one or two commercials getting shot, and it's like, damn, you spent twelve million dollars to shoot two commercials. Listen, I've always said that you not having a black consultant is a sh- is a sh- um, shot in the foot in your campaign. Because one thing about black people, we have to walk in two worlds, especially a professional black person. We have to walk in and operate and be successful in two worlds. And so you need somebody who can understand how white voters think. Because you know why? We have to be around white people every single day. And we have to understand what white people are thinking and how to communicate with them to not lose our jobs or to earn a, earn a life a life in this world. I'll, I'll, say, I'll say something a little deeper than that. If you want to be real, put some numbers behind it. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. In Georgia, I think they say... Seven out of 
ten white people voted for um they, uh, camp. um camp yeah for, for camp over Abrams right mm-hmm. and you think about it cool you could look at a crowd of Stacey Abrams thing with twenty white people there thirty white folks yeah. You got to know that she only walked out of her probably eight votes out of all the white people who were probably there, right? Hispanic, whoever, right? Right. And it gets to a point of us being a part of the campaign, realizing we're not going to get all this shit. We need to get what we can to survive and surviving is winning, right? Right. And having that survival mentality from a consultant who can operate in both worlds to be like, listen, I understand that they're going to see you well, but guess what? Right. Don't say this in Bumblefuck, Florida or somewhere else because it's going to turn them off, especially if they see me. Right. I'll go wait in the car on this one. Yeah. Right? I don't need a, to go to Chieftain to be seen. Right. You go You go get those votes. Right. I'll be in Pine Hills. Right. I'll be in North Jacksonville. I'll be in South Side of Tallahassee. Right. Where somebody, oh, yeah, I know this guy. And it'll be a better blend. And it's not to say, you know, whatever, but it's like, you know what? You have to understand the dynamics that we have to, that you, like you're saying, that we think under to help you avoid the bullshit that's avoidable. Right. So let, let, let me, let's cut, let's, let's cut right through it. The problem I have, and he say Abrams is a great point to this, but bring it down to Florida. Democrats don't know how to increase their threshold of voting. Let's get right into Val here. Sure. Val made a lot of fundamental mistakes in his campaign. Val checks off a lot of boxes. But the one box she never checked is the relatability box. And Val never had to do relatability. She's always been someone who's been positioned or put in space. Now, she's done the work, right, to get in that space. So we don't want to take anything away from her. But I used to I used to say now we can just kind of call it what it is. I said Val's never won a competitive race, and if people are like you don't want to, I said Val's never won a competitive race, and you're expecting her. And I hated when they went they did oh Rubio ain't nothing. I'm like Rubio ain't nothing. Rubio at 28 was Senate president in a in a more bipartisan state. He was Senate president. You know how hard it is to be Senate president at the, at 28? Yeah. Like you don't res- you're not you not respecting him because you don't like his politics doesn't mean don't respect his political skill. And you used to h- you hear people like, "Well, she's better than Rubio." Why? Cuz Rubio's an idiot. How? Cuz he doesn't he's not articulate. Okay. But he's a senior senator. Senior U.S. Senator. Right. And people, people know him. I, I think Rubio's saying that something along the lines that they spent like $70 million. I didn't have to spend that much because people know me. Right. Right. And it's one thing to have somebody you don't know and have a picture painted of them. People know Rubio. He ran president. He only won damn Miami-Dade County when it came to Florida. He packed the shit up, right? Right. And it comes down to a fact of you, you know that you know. He's going to get Hispanic vote for what it is. 
Mm-hmm. Right. You have to get everybody else. Law enforcement wasn't with you because it's like the narrative you're painting on them wasn't sticking. But at the same time, it's like, I think it goes back to to the bench, the draft picks, right? Well, if it wasn't Val, who else would it be? But here's the thing: I have no problem with being Val. But right. I have a, no, pro- I get it. I have I get a problem it. with <laughs> ha- with her approach. And let's get right into the meat and potatoes of it. I did not when I said it in in the primary, and I, by certain circles, I was called a hater. I said I don't like the way Val is running her campaign. And people said you're a hater. You don't know what you're talking about, Kamara. She's running a smart campaign. And in fact, she's making a movement in spaces you don't see. And I'm like, no, no, she's not. And in fact, she's running a dumb campaign and she's not raising her. She's not raising her appeal. And if that's what I said to people about Nikki campaign and people told me I was wrong. Okay. I'll see you on election night. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, listen, I know what I'm seeing. I don't care what people are telling me. She's raising a hell of a lot of money. That is wonderful. That is beautiful. I love that she's raising a lot of money. But she has no grassroots support. None. And I said from the beginning, Val already had things working against her. She was a cop. So she already came off to certain black folks like she's the ops. Right? Yeah. And she's, her personality is not one of gregaciousness. Right? So she's not really forthcoming with her personality. No, so she had that working against her. Number three, she's not a dynamic speaker. Right? Nobody's ever listened to Val and be like, I'm rising to, I, I, I'm ready to run through a wall. So there are things she had that was like the intangibles that she did not have. So I said, in order to counterbalance that, she has to run a more grassroots campaign and make people see her. And they didn't see her. They didn't recognize her as a candidate. And I don't, hear, I don't care what people say. That, oh, well, she was going to lose. She was going to lose. Let me tell y'all the real, real shit, all right? The fact of the matter is 10% less voters voted in 2022 than they voted in 2020. I mean, 2018. What does that tell you? There was no big friggin' wet red wave. What that tells me is that the people didn't even bother showing up that showed up in 2018. What that tells me is that if you would have done the same shit that you did in 2018, you would have probably won this election. That's what it tells me. Mm. So the fact of the matter is, don't tell me that, don't come to me and tell me that, well, she was going to lose and this was a tough race for her. No, she didn't engage people. And fact that the real, real shit is, let's call it what it is. Val had a rally, a couple rallies in Central Florida. And we're naming names here. We're getting right into her campaign had to beg people to come to a rally. Had to beg people to come to a rally, literally, literally calling up different sororities, come out, different women's groups, come out and support. And I said, that's a bad sign. Because I guarantee you if Michelle Obama sent out a tweet, and I'm not trying to compare them, but let's just call it what it is. If Michelle Obama sent out a tweet on a Thursday night and said, I'm going to be in Orlando, pull up. There will be a, at 9 a.m. there will be a line around that, that corner. Yeah. And for all intents and purposes, Central Florida, she should be the Michelle Obama of Central Florida. 
Yeah. If I have, I'm having an event. Pull up. We it's happening. And I would. I'm gonna give you a little anecdotal story, man. Again, this is me. I'm never. You know, I'm probably gonna lose out on political friendships here, but whatever. I remember I was at a um, Val and I used to share an office. I'm not in that building anymore. But we sh- you should share an office. And I sat and I was going, it was during COVID in 2020. And I went up to the office and I saw a bunch of people outside, sitting outside her door. And I'm like, what is going on? You know, this is COVID, the height of COVID, everybody was scared. Nobody knew what was going on, right? And I want to say a bunch of people, it was probably like six or seven people. And I'm like, okay, that's interesting. So... I turn before I go into my I go to my office door, you know, because we're like kind of category, cat corner rather. I said, "Why is everybody hanging out in the hallway? What's going on?" Person said, "Yeah, we're just we're looking for some answers. Like, it's COVID. I'm scared. I'm nervous." Now, mind you, a couple of people didn't have face masks. I'm like, "Oh my god! Like, can y'all please stay away from me?" Like, I have my face mask on. I have my gloves. I'm telling you, this is the height of COVID, right? So I thought everybody had like the cooties at this point. But they're like, yeah, I, we don't know what to do. And I was like, okay, why are you in front of the congresswoman's office? Right? But nobody's here. Well, yeah, it's close. But we don't know what to do. So then I said to myself, okay, let me call up congressman, a congressman, Congressman Soto, who I've known for almost 20 years now. Right? I called him up, said, yo, Darren, got some people here. Um, they need some help, some answers. Come on, say less. I got you. Send them to my office. We'll take care of them. Give them, give them my office. We'll take care of them. Bet. Gave them the information. They went over to this um, Soda's office. I don't know whatever happened to them, but I, there's a point to this story. Right. I, I went to my office and I sat for five minutes thinking to myself, that was odd. That was interesting, rather. So they're not, Soto gains nothing. From them because they're not even in his district, presumably, presumably. But he was available. Again, I'm calling a spade a spade. Val doesn't present as available to the community. And so when Val was running, there's a reason why in Central Florida, people didn't recognize her outside of her title of former police chief. And now Congresswoman. And when you and when you're in your central when you're in your own city, you can't get people to come to your own rally because they don't identify with you. That's a problem. Or or people just people don't have concerts at home either. It's like Rick Ross is having a concert at Tootsie's or some shit. It's like, oh yeah, Ross. You know what I'm saying? See off on the Like I don't have to you know what I'm saying? It could be that. That thing too, the point of diminishing return. Like, yeah, we seen you all the time. Like, I'm good. But you know what? But there's no. Hold on, you had two. You, there was. No, we had two. You had two things going, two events, and barely anybody showed up to either one of them. Yeah. So see, see the thing is, you, you're not. They're not doing it smart. They're not having a gas, a gas rally. Hey, have a rally at the gas station. I'm buying everybody gas for five hours. Right. Ten thousand dollars. If you could spend ten. Oh shit, no. You had twelve million. Put a hundred. Put a hundred thousand dollars on gas, right? Imagine how many votes you're gonna get. But listen, people show up. But listen, that's what we have to rally at, right? 
I get it. You're right. Right? It's meeting people where they're at. But let me tell you, but she had a fish fry and everything like that. But let me tell you, let's kids call it what it is. Her message of me being a maid, daughter of a maid and a janitor, that was a ridiculous message. And she did that for 13 months. And it wasn't moving anything, bro. And, and, and you know, I, we talked about this offline. And I thought about it. I'm like, you know, there, there, there's a part where it's like you can't ignore your upbringing, right? I, I get it, bro. No, I, I, I know you do. I know you do. But it's also a part of these consultants can't keep telling you that you need to come from a service position or a less than position. Not to say those positions are less than, but at least the narrative you're painting in other people's minds, right? Right. My my people came from the serviceable position. And I want to serve you. Why can't it be? Well, damn, my father was a professor at a university or he was, my mother was a president of a bank. Right. And I learned that, you know, when someone's coming in and they had overdraft in their account on Friday, that we had to do what we can to make sure they could feed their family by Monday. Right. It's never a conversation about that. It's never a conversation about what you did and the goodwill of where you were in life right. to help people. It's more of a fact of like, shit, hey, I know you're struggling. I'm struggling too. Well, I came from the struggle. Well, vote for the struggle. Well, right. Well, let's let's keep it like they characterize black voters as only being from a particular sphere. But let me tell you what they they thought they were doing with that messaging of coming from humble beginnings. They thought they were being relational. But what they don't understand about a voter is that yeah, you know what? Most people come from humble. Their parents come from humble beginnings. Most people, right. or a lot of people. But that's not what's going to get me. What's going to get me is tell me something about your life. That you've had, like you had a a moral, you came to a moral crossroads. Tell me right. something about your life, where you know what, man. I remember, like to your point, I, shoot, man, I, I I overdrafted my account on Tuesday, and I know I had to pay the AT and T on Wednesday, and I had that. That's when it knew. I it was a moment in my life I had to change the way I did things, or my car got repossessed, or you know what. It don't even have to be something where financially struggle. I was at my job one day, man, and it was a decision that came across my desk. And I had to make a decision that was going to be either the best business decision or the best human decision. And I chose to do the human decision because this is what I I learned from that particular boss decision is what changed me and how and how to look at people like whatever. Talk to me about that. Talk to me like, yo. My favorite song one night I was listening and this song changed the way I view, I viewed the world. This song really motivated me to kind of like think about happens. It, it changed the focus or this movie. I think about this movie often. I think about this plot. I think about this character. Those things. Or, go ahead. Yeah. Those things have an indelible effect on how people re- relate to you. Cause like I see myself in that candidate. And right. with Val, she did. People didn't see themselves in that candidate. They didn't see themselves. Forty percent of the voters. She got forty. She got forty percent of the voters. What that tells me is that there were ten percent voters who like, I don't see myself in coming out. You're going to get the forty percent based off of being a Democrat by your name. But the intangibles is what drives that other ten to fifteen percent. This is real. And we talk about it was on the on the draft. We've been talking about the draft the whole time. People don't even realize. Go ahead, I'm, I'm just... Yeah, it's the intangibles. It, these are the things that make you special. These are the things that make you unique. These are the things that make me believe in you as a candidate. 
because I see something beyond your story. I see myself. And if I don't see myself in you, I can't vote for you. And because it's Tuesday, it's after work, I'm tired, and I'm going to take my black ass or from white, take my white ass home. And that's what it comes down to. People literally did not see themselves in any one of these candidates. But in particular to Val, they didn't see themselves. And you had someone like Aramis who had the only raised $250,000 on her campaign and had 1% less votes from you and you spent $70 million. And let's keep it a buck here. The fact that you, top of the ticket, had rallies talking about women's rights and you left off a woman, a black woman, off your off the, the you purposely because it's now it's, let's just call it what we're naming names. The Demings don't really rock with Aramis like that, and for different reasons. But unlike Republicans who know how to put petty squabbles aside and get on the same stage, Val did not want to be on the same stage with Aramis. How do you have a statewide race? Someone running for attorney general. And you do not want to put, you don't even want to invite them to the same event that the president or the first lady is coming to. What does that tell you you about party unity? There is none. That is ridiculous. And quite frankly, Aramis is the best speaker out of the trio. So you literally left somebody off your ticket. Because you didn't want to be associated with them. And quiet as kept, Aramis wasn't even only one because as I'm looking at the numbers, Naomi Blamur, who everyone was staying away from again, yeah. I want to say a week or two before the primary. Everybody avoided her. Yeah. She had the second best total against all Democrats. Yeah. So it's kind of like I get it, but Maybe you don't even have to run a campaign for real to be a Democrat and then they're coming close. Like coming forty percent points too. Yeah. So what that tells me is Val, you literally spent 13 months and you did nothing to increase your base. You did nothing. And you sat there and you said, I'm gonna go after people who are not gonna vote for me. We talked about how, you know, Manny Diaz wanted to wanted to highlight, go after voters in South Florida who weren't never gonna vote Democrat. Val went after people who were never going to vote for her instead of going after the people who she could have got garnered had she talked to her grassroots base. There are voters on the table, and I know Republicans out fundraised, out registered, but fact of the matter is, they didn't. The numbers didn't show themselves that Republicans had more people that came to the polls. Yeah, I mean, yes, they did kind of, but it was ten percent total less voters. So that means you didn't, you failed to hit the mark from 2018. That's what I, that's what I see. Now, again, this is an unpopular opinion and people are going to be like, they're not going to agree with me, but I'm, I'm sorry. No, I mean, here's something else that that's kind of in there as I'm looking at the numbers. Democrats need to be more cautious of competition. Right, because we can talk about Aramis, we can talk about 
Demi's all day. Um, I just think Demi's messaging was bad. I know she was running her own race, and you can't tell somebody who won one election that you know how to run the next one, right? Right. But on the other side, you have to realize that Ashley Moody, the Attorney General, got more votes than Ron DeSantis did. Mm. Right? Got about 40,000 more votes than DeSantis. Mm. Right? So a part of it really ends up being yes, there has to be a part of a plan. We have to assess what went wrong, the messaging. But there's still a part of like, damn, how do we win? Right. And everybody has their pockets of supporters. But understanding that it was less voters this time and maybe more next time. How do we get more people out there? Because here's the thing, right? And this is this is something that's, you know, struck me in my higher thoughts the other day. I say, shit, you know what, Phil, is crazy. Democrats have had the registration advantage, right? Mm-hmm. Forever. Yeah. Until last two years, right? Mm-hmm. Ooh, last year at least. Mm, I know where you're gonna go with this. Keep going. I like I love your yeah. So if Republicans just took the registration advantage. Yeah, I know where you're going. Yeah. And their people are, are all the way turning out to vote, maybe it's to a point of saying, you know what, shit, we've been we lost the legislature in the nineties. Right? We lost the governor's office, what, late nineties? Yeah. If they've been able to dominate without having lot of registration without having, numbers, without even having more registration numbers, yeah, right. And now they have it. Not only are we up for doomsday, but the only way that we're able to revive this shit is not to register more people. Oh, fuck registration. Yeah, talk to everybody that we haven't talked to in forever. Boom. Right. Boom. And a part of it is understanding that in 2026, actually Moody's team is saying, like, you know what? We're going to ride this DeSantis train out and let him do what he wanted to do to run for president. But we know that more Republicans and more voters voted for me mm-hmm. than him in his reelection year. Yeah. So I'm primed to run for any damn thing. And I wish one Democrat would stop. Me. Right. So it's not even a fact of worrying about DeSantis at this point no. or worrying about how Val didn't run a good p- campaign. Right. How Naomi didn't want to be around anybody and she still came in damn second place among Democrats. But it's not none, none of that shit. Right. right. It's about a simple fact of we need to fix the shit. But it talks to your point though, the simple fact of also maybe, just maybe to your point, like you said, we don't have to like out register them to beat them. We just gotta be able to talk to the people that Fuck with us. Don't worry about what's happening on that side. That's what's happening on that side is what's happening. Let's focus on the people that have the D next to their name, but we haven't spoken to them. Let's worry about them because there's a whole slew of voters, wide range of voters with that D next to their name that don't feel seen in the party. They don't feel like they're being the party's talking to them. And I will tell you, in a primary, I knew it was going to be a, 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 a they were going to get mollywopped. When I saw in the primary, more Republicans voted in the primary than Democrats. And why that was a bad sign? Because the Republicans didn't have shit on the ticket in the primary. And yet they still came out in greater numbers. Yeah. So I was like, oh, shit. This is going to be bad. That means the people that should have been excited about this election, 
don't even feel like there's a, there's any buy-in for them. And so I really feel like the, the takeaway here, the big takeaway is that you guys need to worry about your messaging. Talk to the voters that are that want Democrats to win, but haven't felt like the Democrats have been talking to them. And we used an analogy the other day of, I felt like, and this goes to Val, this goes to Charlie, hell, it goes to anybody. It felt like in any given Sunday when Al Pacino was talking to Jamie Foxx and he says, you know, go out and throw the ball, you know, with the streetlights on and like your mama's calling you home. And Jamie Foxx later on in the movie said, man, the first time you talked to me, you would talk to me like, you know, like, like I'm a caricature. You weren't trying to really talk to me. You didn't see he, me as a human. And it wasn't until Jamie and the coach actually had buy-in towards the end of the movie that they came to an accord because the coach saw him who he was and he saw the coach who he was. Right. So they have to see each other. The Democrats and the voters and the party leadership have to see each other who they are. I remember I sat in a Starbucks and I'm giving away some game here. And I was meeting with the candidate. And they want to ask me about, you know, supporting him in the race. So I, I said, let's meet in the Starbucks. And they said, okay. So we sat down and they're just talking to me about their campaign. And they were like, you know, why, you know, like they think they can win and all this other stuff. And, you know, we're talking about consulting and all that. So then I said, I said, what is that person over there thinking? Like, huh? I said, the person right there, sitting right there. This is your district, right? If you want to win. Yeah. What is that person right there sitting on the laptop? What do they, what do they want? I was like, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? This person, generally people who go to Starbucks, go to Starbucks in their neighborhood. Would you agree with that, Phil? And so the people who are, you know, in that Starbucks. Yeah. Generally, this is the area they're in. So I was like, what is that person thinking? I don't know. You're supposed to know. Because this is, this is where you're running. These are the people who you're trying to garner to get interested in your campaign. And you may not be, be, be able to be a mind reader, but you damn sure better be able to anticipate why this person is, do, is doing what they're doing. you be able to anticipate why this person on a Wednesday is at Starbucks on their laptop. you to anticipate what that person's motive, motives in life is, is where, what their motives are in life. And I'm not saying you have to know everything, but at least give you an opening and be like, you know what? Let me go find out. And that's the key to why somebody wins and loses. Because they look for the humanity in every single aspect. That's very true. You know, but that's my little game. You know, that's my little thing. Um, yo, let's uh let's let's pivot here because I want to get in some tea. Okay? I got you. Let's talk about DeSantis versus Trump. Listen, man, I don't know about y'all, but I'm about to move off Twitter. <laughs> Not because, yeah. like, listen, I may go get, I'm going to be real. I may go get an $8 check. I may go pay the $8 to get my blue check, right, <laughs> just to do it, right? <laughs> I only got a 1,000 followers on Twitter. I don't care. Right. Right? But, and quietly, you know, it could be a business write-off. Anyway, um, True Social is where it's at. 
Donald Trump's platform, mm. he is going in. And mind you, here's, like, here's how I think. You know, DeSantis made Trump. No, sorry. Trump made DeSantis. Right. And it's to a point of saying, like, you know what? You can't go against the king. Right. You know what I'm saying? I made you, bro. No, I know I gave you a good runway. You can get popular character towards when I'm gone. But don't ever think you're about to overstep me, bro. I'm still slinging dope through this hood. Right. right? This is my shit. MAGA. Right? Right. So I think Trump looks at it like, you know what, bro? You can bring all that JAG Navy shit. You can bring everything you want to. But there's three things I know for sure. One, Niggas was moving to Florida with or without you as governor. Mm -hmm. Two, you're not ready for the way I'm going to attack you. And three, you're really not ready. Because after I'm done with you, I'm going to unite the party. You got to be forced to come kiss the ring. I'm going to embarrass you every time I get a chance to when I'm in the White House. Well, here's the thing about that. I think ultimately... The donor class, they want DeSantis. The Republican roughnecks, they want DeS they want Trump. Right. But everybody's gonna fall in line, and eventually DeSantis is gonna get the he's gonna get the call. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna get the call, but it's it's deeper than rap, right? For people who don't know, there's a young lady named uh, Susie Wiles who ran not only Donald Trump's race, mm -hmm. for the peace at least, but she's been tied in with Republicans since the Reagan era. Right. Did Rick Scott and DeSantis campaigns as well. I think it's public knowledge. She fell out with the governor's wife, Casey DeSantis, right? There have been reports about it. I'm not telling nothing that nobody can't open in Google, right? Mm -hmm. And from the outs of it, she was kicked off some Trump stuff because of DeSantis. And it's just like, you know what? Who are you a loyalist to? Even in his tra last transition team. You a loyalist to the Trump, Susie Wiles team, or you a loyalist to the DeSantis team, right? And this kind of marred on the backroom channel some of his first term or, you know, right. overall, yeah, his first term. But now it's to a point of saying, okay, cool. Trump brought in the same chick who helped Ron DeSantis win. They knew he didn't have any money. They knew that Florida was about to go blue and all the rest of this shit, mm -hmm. right? So what else could he do besides, like, listen, I'm going to put a dagger in you one way or another. I already have, I'm a, you won re-election, cool, but you only had one because I have to give you a platform to be you. Right. Because I made you, I'm going to destroy you. And I think it's going to be funny yeah. to watch because we're quietly dealing with the same thing with Biden. It's like, bro, you need to go. But somebody needs to challenge you enough to put you on the spotlight like Trump is going to do DeSantis and go, them go back and forth to really put a break in the party. Be like, listen, shit. Maybe it gets to a point where they don't fuck with each other. Right. And they, they, they split the party. It could happen. Because we had the same thing happen with the, with the progressives. Yeah, Bernie split the party. Yeah. So here's the thing about it, right? And you're, sp you're speaking to the same things I've heard. You had a um, DeSantis. He'd had no platform, had no people. And 
Trump pretty much gave him his people to run his campaign. And when DeSantis got powerful, you know, again, he and he got he started having his own little people. He started kicking everybody out. And Trump, in his mind, he was like, oh, the disrespect. So you're going to kick out the people because Trump only put people in there to control DeSantis and to have a foothold in a Florida Republican Party. Right. When when DeSantis moved those people out, Trump saw what time it was. He's, you know, fishermen recognize another fisherman from a mile away. And he's been seething ever since. And so this is a rest, this is wrestling, not just for the presidency, but the fact for Trump being like, you're not loyal. How dare you? How, yeah. how dare you, sir? Like, you're not, you, you'd have, you really thought, because like now that you got your governorship, this is in the first term, that you can get rid of all the people that I, ga- I gifted you? Okay, we're going to see about that. But here's the thing. Republican voters don't give a shit at all. They don't care about all that shit. They don't. They just want to win. Republican voters will vote for someone who's had 15 abortions and lies through their teeth for a U.S. Senate seat. They don't care. They'll literally say, yeah, we know he's flawed. But guess what? It's about it's bigger than it. It's bigger than that. They will put their bullshit aside to put somebody in office. So, yeah, while it may be funny that DeSantis and Trump might go at each other, I don't think it tears the party apart. Not really. I think people when it comes when the push comes to shove, people are selfish. And people will vote because they want to win, not because they care. And so, yeah, it's going to be funny and it's going to be interesting. But I don't think it changes the, 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 it moves the needle as whether like some Democrats say, oh, this is going to help Biden. I'm like, y'all, again, these are dumb people who don't know how people vote. And I'm like, I, and, and Rick Wilson, who's the head of the Lincoln Project, did his whole diatribe about why, you know, this is great for the party. And I'm like, these are the people that are getting paid millions of fucking dollars to be dumb. And you have consultants who actually know people, know voters, and to be, talk to real, who are not even being, who not, nobody's listening to them. Because nobody in their right mind can literally tell me that a Republican is not going to hold their nose and, and check off a box. Yeah. You know? So, you know, that's where I'm at with it. I'm just, I'm just, I just want us to be real. If this conversation meant anything, I just wanted it to be a real conversation, an honest conversation. Because I'm tired of putting on airs. I get you. I'm tired of being, I'm tired of not being real about what's happening in the state. You know, but with that being said, um, Bill, go ahead and give us your, uh, your final thoughts on everything, man. No, I I just think that first off, again, thank you for inviting me on the show. I I really feel that it's time to clean house and, and really take a long approach to where we're at from a messaging standpoint to the candidates building a bench. They talk about it, but what does it really mean? Yeah, right. 
Like, like, like what, what does it really mean? We, we need enough to get the crowd involved. And getting the crowd involved means bringing good players in who can get them energized. Right. And that means you're speaking to the base. You're talking to the issues they care about and actually taking the next yeah, you have six months. You know, you got like maybe two or three after the holidays. Yeah. Um, to re-energize what it's going to be for the future, yeah. right? Because right now, if Florida goes red, it really changes the dynamics of this country. Right. And for Democrats that are here who love it, guess what? We're not going to. We have to be able to withhold, withstand, it and build over the next ten years to get back the two congressional seats that we lost. Not only the black seats. But if you go back to the census that Trump wanted to question on the citizenship on the census, a lot of people didn't do it. The lowest recorded census in U.S. history, 2020. We have to build towards 2030. Yeah. Because that's the only way we end up getting the landscape of where we are. But right now we're in that photo miracle territory where things just get designed, blessed, and built. Right. And when we get there, we'll get there. But right now, we need to at least build that plan out for what it really needs to be. And overall, I'll be real. If you want to be strategic about it, people want to move to Florida. Why don't you just find damn Democrats that want to move to Florida and flood their ass here? We could win the state that way too. It all makes sense. One way or another. Those are my, my final thoughts. Dope. Dope. So, you know, I like to, you know, obviously end on a letter and you know again um i appreciate you jumping on this pod so you know my letter is this you know dear black people your black culture i know i kind of went on in on one of our um favorite sisters on val demings and everything but i felt like we needed to have an honest conversation part of that is that she has to understand where she missed the ball and i'm afraid i'm worried that she's going to have white consultants telling her that, you know, this is what went wrong and ignoring her blind spots. I want her to win. I want black people to win. But we don't win unless we're honest with one another. And we have to be honest about how did we get here. And for the Democratic Party in general, we have to be honest about why you lost by over a million votes. Because you don't focus in on the people. You don't focus in on what's important. You focus in on protectionism, protection, protecting those, the white consultant donor class, the donor class or white consultants or publications that you need, you have relationships with. You're, you're focused on things that doesn't move the needle. And honestly, voters are tired. You have to give them something to believe in. You have to give them something to grab onto. You have to give them something to which, you know what? I trust you. And voters don't trust you. So with that being said, we have to start over. And we, as Phil said, we got to burn this entire thing down. Which is why I came in on fire. And therefore, I couldn't think of a better song to write out to than a man who released an album today. Right? And one of my favorite artists, Mr. Nazir Jones. So thank you all for listening to the podcast. And with that, we're riding now. 
woke up this morning on some white linen sheets. The bed almost caught a blaze. The temperatures want 100 in the room. I'm like, what's up? Still got the same flame behind me from the Hate Me Now video. It's continual. All I need is a beat and I'm stitching you like stitching these words together. How I'm still getting better. I'm finding more gold as I dig in the dirt with the shovel. I got the last laugh. Don't get blown away by the backdrop. Don't be scared now. Don't be scared now. Giving them hell now. I'm starting to see them sweat. Don't be scared now. Don't be scared now. I'm giving them hell now. I'm trying to walk in my soul. It's like bare feet on hot coals. Soon as I start heating up, the whole block froze. I came in without an ordinary name. How many nines is? How many tops here? How many not here? Something in the name that's different from theirs Depicted in scripture holding two dragons blowing flames Sorry it ain't go the same for y'all They say a lot, please explain a lot You got body or do you praise a lot And still rock crosses all on your chain a lot I'm scorching and I never forced it Even when forces and powers that be went against me Y'all use that as an excuse You dudes cannot convince